my digital series, uh, Frank and Lamar, that that did really well critically, and uh, and then we we sold the like they the IFC picked it up as a pilot, mm. and I was like, oh, okay, now mm-hmm. we're about to be TV. Yeah, and as you could tell, you haven't seen it on TV. So. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of working towards making this crazy biz and how they're almost almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest is starred in Search Party, John Glazer Loves Gear, and created slash starred in the award-winning digital series Frank and Lamar for IFC's Comedy Crib. It's the lovely and hilarious Carl Foreman Jr. What's up, Daniel? How you doing, man? Good, good. It's always good to see you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Of course, we're going to jump into it. I mean, we know each other, we work together on various things, but I guess I don't really know your your journey of getting into comedy and acting. Was it uh, something you realized you wanted to do always when you were like younger, or was it a later in life development? Uh, it was not something I grew up having ambitions toward. Mm-hmm. I was not like, I wasn't show kid. Like I, I think uh, probably the most surprised people who like have seen that I've chosen this career path are those who knew me in elementary school or even even high school um to a degree because I was I was not like drama kid I was smart kid growing up and so when you're smart kid they're like okay you gotta do you should do math and science and you know I was like all right I'm good at this stuff and then I got to like 10th grade and I was like maybe I'm not um <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe i'm gonna be an english major but i always love i i think i I started acting like for the first time in 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 10th grade um i made the the good decision that uh to to try out for the the play as opposed to uh basketball because you see how tall i am um it was not i mean like the nba just wasn't in my future uh, <laughs> and, and neither neither was varsity and frankly jv i still like you know i loved it and i did it for a couple of years and then i, I didn't uh i i reconnected with it probably my junior year in college because like i was like I'm, I'm an english major i'm gonna be a journalist that's what i was gonna be as a journalist then a, a writer then uh professor then a lawyer all same major very versatile major uh and i took my lsat everything and um yeah did did well on it um i got my score back and i was like you know i don't think i want to go to law school i think i just wanted to prove that i still had it in this test prep game (laughs) if i'm being (laughs) honest with myself like like i already don't quite always show up to class so I feel like law school is kind of important to do that and do homework and stuff, which I've been highly averse to. I do really love acting though. And like I've gotten, I, you know, I'm, I'm this kind of guy that like, you give me like any positive reinforcement, I run with it, you mm-hmm. know? So I just enough, just enough people told me you can do this that I was like, you know what, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to be an actor. And, um, you know, like much to my parents' chagrin, uh, who were like, "Wait, what happened to law school?" Like I was like, "Well, these scores will be good for five years." That was my pitch to like stave them off. I said, "Okay, if 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 nothing happens in the five years, I'll just go to law school." Mm. And then, because I you know because I hadn't thought of this as like a viable career option up until like end of college, 
I never took acting classes or anything like that. So um, my first like kind of any kind of training was just in like New York theater, um, getting with like, you know, finding good, good theater groups that kind of trained me amongst. I was very fortunate. And then uh, like my second year in New York, I got into uh, I got accepted audition for MFA program. And I got into the the ART, the Harvard theater program that our mutual friend Sheila, I, that where I met her. And um, so we were classmates there. Um, but yeah, so so I was like, well, I got into Harvard now, you know, like, so for acting. So like, is can I, can I do this? <laughs> yeah. Talk about positive reinforcement. So, you know, getting into the Harvard program when you haven't really taken that many acting classes must have felt like, okay, I think I'm on, I'm not on a bad path. Yeah, I you know, it was crazy because I, I didn't know. I had accepted that I hadn't gotten in. Um, and uh, because where I lived in, uh, in uh, I lived in Washington Heights in this building where the mail situation wasn't exactly reliable. And I wasn't exactly a legal tenant, so I couldn't exactly complain that the <laughs> mailbox needed to be fixed. And so I'm at work one day. Just, you know, at a call center, just, you know, doing my regular thing, thinking about how, all right, so the the audition circuit didn't work out for MFA programs, whatever. I guess I'll, you know, I'll stay in New York, see what I could do here, maybe take some voice classes. And then I get a call from the administrator being like, hi, this is uh, Julia from ART. Uh, I just want to let you know, like, I'm calling you because your acceptance letter got returned to us. And I was like, my what? <laughs> yeah and then like i'm i'm i started like jumping up and down at work they're like would you win the lottery i was like y'all got hard immediate drop off at work immediate like production just in the toilet yeah uh it was like wow my rejection from yale arrived to me just fine you know the i mean good for that person to to call you back what a kind of a kismet meant to be thing that you could have easily been like, ah, I guess they don't mail out, you know, people who don't get accepted. Like it's easy to, right. you know. Yeah. That that's, what I, that's what I assume. I figured, okay, I didn't hear back. I said, you know, cause I didn't, there was no, there was no callback for that. Right. They didn't do that. That like, those only school didn't have any kind of callback as part of their process. It was just like the one audition and then either you're in or you're not. Right. Um, so uh that was a very surprising moment and uh that was cool and that's that's how i really got a lot of my you know the majority of my training mm -hmm. was was in in that program um and then so I, I when i graduated and this was in this was in 09 came back to new york city because like i had just been trying to do stuff as an actor not not knowing anything like not knowing anything about the business not knowing anything about like, yeah, I just didn't feel like I had given myself a real shot at it. Mm. Um, so when I came back, it was like, all right, I have this. And then, of course, you know, you do like a showcase at the end of these things. And like I did well in, in, in the program, but like, yo, I got no love at showcase. Mm. <laughs> and so I had no reps coming out. And uh, as if I found it very hard to find traditional theater roles for someone like myself. You know, I'm a young black not i don't feel like a like a archetype like i'm not like i'm not like big black guy or i'm not like you know i'm not particularly skinny right so like or whatever have you so i get i get a lot of com comedy type theater roles and i was like well i know i'm i guess i'm kind of funny 
I feel like I'm gonna end up having to like get it myself. So who where do people go who do that thing? Like, mm. you know, um I was a fan, I was a big fan of like sketch comedy. Uh and so I I uh found my way to so I was like, all right, who the Upright Systems Brigade gets people on like people who do like SNL type stuff and like John Leguizamo type stuff. They they do they do improv. Mm-hmm. Right, people who want commercials, they they want improv. So like, all right, I'm gonna go train at UCB, um, the Upright Systems Brigade in New York, and so, um, that led me into this comedy world that actually got me all the opportunities I've had professionally, kind of, you know, yeah. or have have been connected to that in some way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because uh, you almost had what I call like the benefit of not knowing. You were kind of very open to like gonna move here and I'm gonna look for these opportunities there was no judgment almost of like okay let's try this let's work here and then as you started to with your education background someone who's intelligent and doesn't mind doing the work you were able to kind of get that pedigree from the Harvard acting school and again following kind of what the world was telling you of like all right I think people are moving me to comedy and thankfully you're you are hilarious and you can land a joke and you know how to play comedic stuff so it, it seemed like a perfect kind of marriage moving you into that that's amazing yeah I I will say that kind of at every step of the journey ignorance has served me to a degree mm-hmm. you know like, like even when I first got into New York City um I just met some people through mutual friends working at this experimental like indie theater company right yeah and because i was just so ignorant like if i knew the credentials of the people who i was like playing with i would have been highly intimidated Mm -hmm. you know come to find out later on oh this this actor teaches at the public theater and this one is you know and like i'm doing clown stuff with them i'm like i don't know what clown is but i guess i'm doing clown and like you know like all kind of and so that was my first training ground, and and they were the ones who kind of pushed me in the direction for the MFA. To like, you got some talent, you should probably get some training. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's amazing. Um, over the years, have you given yourself like a definition of success? Yeah, I would say that definition has probably evolved over time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, probably like in my in my younger days, success had to be like you know blockbuster <laughs> you know what I'm saying like whatever mm-hmm. but I think at this point I mean success for me I'm a, I'm a family man now I got I'm married I got two kids you know I think just at, for me success is I provide for my family with work I do in entertainment and nothing else mm-hmm. and I can and I can say that I can do that for many many years so that I mean, like you know, and I, so I guess it points. I've been able to say yes, kind of, you know, like good years, earnings mm-hmm. wise. But so success for me will be when I can say, all right, I know that for many years to come, I will be able to do what I'm doing right now reliably. Yeah. Like I'm gonna, you know, but and that's a hard thing to say because it's the most kind of job insecure industry you could possibly have. Right. Um, so also success when I was much younger would have said only as an actor, like as an actor period. Right. Mm. But I think like now I'm like, if I, if I earn that money as a writer, if I earn that money as some combination or, you know, in 
comedy strictly, then that's all that's all good because it's all it's all art. It's all connected. It's all the same. Ultimately, there's other creative outlets. Like if I'm writing, if I'm directing, if I'm producing, I'm collaborating, then you're like, I'm still getting that fulfillment. I'm still feeling creative and I am, you know, doing what I love overall. And like you said, just providing a living is such a rewarding thing of like, all right, I can I can survive. I can my family can survive and I'm not doing a job I hate, which I think is one of the worst things you can do to your family is working oh, something yeah. you don't want to be doing. Like, it's so bad. Yeah, I mean, feeling of making sure I'm doing something I love, I probably came from my parents who, you know, um, I feel like they kind of took the, the sacrifice to say, like, I'm going to work a job that I know is stable. And, and like, in order to make sure that my family is good, because they both came from kind of in you know financially insecure situations mm. so i don't think either my you know i think at some point but they both probably fell out of love with what they were doing mm. at some point maybe my mom less so um but like i just could you know or or feel like felt i could tell that maybe they felt stuck you know and i just don't want to feel stuck doing something because it's like i'm 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 tied to this check, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I think also, you know, based on when we're coming of age, like, you know, I came out of I came out of grad school middle of like great recession, right? Yeah. Of like like shortly after the, you know, I came out in 09, so uh the 08 financial crisis had was still looming over things and like everyone's like, "Well, I, all all these young college graduates like, well, there's no jobs." Like, you know, and, and then yeah. and then right now, like what's going on with, you know, Mm -hmm. um post covid people are in flux about jobs all kinds of jobs are getting ready to go away because of of ai technology um and it's like well shoot if if everything is insecure i might as well i might you know what i mean if, if, yeah. if it's all if every job is insecure i might as well like go for broke you know what yes. I mean? if i'm gonna be broke anyway I'm a, i might as well do this thing agreed i had so many friends who you know went the lawyer route or whatever were like i can't find a job and i was like as a lawyer that was supposed to be the like boom attorney lawyer doctor like you have work and i was like i agree with you i'm like i'd rather be struggling towards something i want than struggling towards something i don't like all those people who don't want to do the job but are working so hard to get that job that'd be such a like mentally screw you up to be like why am i working yeah, so I, hard I'm doing this yeah, yeah. but look if it all falls apart i'll be an rn tomorrow i'll tell you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> perfect uh where's your head at with the concept of being uh rich and famous Ooh, I, I would much rather be rich than famous mm. i think like i i used to really when i was especially when i was like early mid-20s i think i would have embraced that fame thing I was very much like pro that, but I, I now a I think I'm in some ways I don't think I would have been ready for it. I think I would have been a, one of those like cautionary tales, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, because like I would have had too much fun and I'd have like you know. But then again, you know, also I never wanted to be in part of that part of it where, where it's someone tap paparazzi's chasing you. I think I think there is a certain degree of you choose that. Mm. a little bit um i don't see like who's don Cheadle dating 
You know what I mean? Right. Like Don Cheadle's been famous forever. So, like, we'll be, you know, I think I was talking about this with uh, a guy, Colin. I was like, wouldn't it be great to just be like the voice of a cartoon? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like a cartoon that runs all the time. Yeah. And no one bothers you in public, but you're still, you all, oh, you check all the boxes, right? Like, right. you made it. Yep. You can you know, make someone's day if they love the cartoon, but at the same time, there's anonymity because they probably don't know what you look like and you can just move through the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still don't know what Bart Simpson, the yearly Smith, Maybe. I don't know what she looks like. I got I to gotta Google her to this day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a friend who was like, told me this story. She was like, up in Napa, this winery, and the person was taking them around. And they're like, sorry to ask you, like, but how did you kind of afford this winery? And the person was just like, oh, I'm Ronald McDonald. <laughs> they were like, all of a sudden you see it. Like, and you're like, holy crap. Because, yeah, he's like, yep. For the last however many decades, I was, I'm Ron, I am that guy. And there's like, holy in clown, crap. In the clown suit. Mm-hmm. You'll never know because I got all this makeup on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you see me all, wow, that's wild. Yeah. So there are so many jobs like that out there where you're like, you are technically famous. You could tell someone, but yeah, I think there's the the benefit of being able to kind of move through public without it being a, a hassle or an issue. Do you have moments in this career over the years where you feel you've uh, hit milestones or quote unquote made it? I've definitely hit some milestones. Um, I never thought I made it. I, I thought I'm about to make it. Ah. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, oh, after this? Let's go, you know, uh, like at various points. I mean, like a long time ago, I went, I went viral when that was still a thing mm. doing a, a college humor video. Um, I mean, it was 2013. Mm. It was a, I, I pranked a, a subway car full of people in the, uh, uh, pretending to be a panhandler. But the, the joke was that I actually didn't want anything. I was just, talking about how good my life was going so at every turn you know like every turn the person you would think okay this is the part where he's about to ask for money mm-hmm. and he's like you know or like this is the this is where the story turns sad it's like actually you know like oh i thought you know like i used to have a great apartment and a great neighborhood and then my family was forced to move because we wanted more space <laughs> you know that kind of thing. like like my daughter got a Got accepted to a great Ivy League school. We don't know how we we're gonna afford it, but then she got a scholarship. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> great. So yeah. And I'm asking for high five. I got on the Good Morning America doing that. That wow. Thing. Like, it was like it, it it the the thing dropped and like by in like then 24 hours, Gawker had me up there. You don't remember Gawker? Uh, yes. Perez Hilton was like at me on and. and Next thing you know, I'm talking to Sam Champion. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so that was, I was like, okay, I'm about to be on. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, because then my manager didn't call me back. I was like telling my manager, and my manager was like, like not responding to my calls and emails. And then I found out I went, I went in to pick up a, a like a real, like a $450 check <laughs> for a non union commercial. And I was like, hey, bro. I was famous this week. Yeah, capitalize. This was your money. <laughs> yeah, but there was that. There was you know um, when we, I guess the first you know 
first time or two I, I did like a I got a, a commercial or a you know a, a, a TV role those mm -hmm. things feel like okay now they're just about to roll on in and you know right. you never know it's always up and down so we did my my digital series uh Frank and Lamar that that did really well critically and uh and then we we sold the like they the IFC picked it up as a pilot mm. and I was like oh, okay now mm -hmm. we're about to be TV yeah and as you could tell you haven't seen it on TV so <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's still it's still available on on the interwebs but you know so I I've learned over time that like the business is ebbs and flows and you don't want to count any chickens before they hatch. Right. How have you found you personally deal with those kind of high highs and those low lows? Like what do you do for yourself while going through these ebbs and flows? You know, I try to remind myself, especially when like uh, one of those, cause the, the, this, the great disappointments aren't the ones where you like, Oh, I did the audition and you know, didn't hear nothing back, you know, Cause you're like, okay. Cause we all know as actors, when we audition, the chances of booking this particular one is fairly low. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's when you get really close to something and then you don't get it trying to remind myself, Oh, that wasn't like my only chance. Yes. You know? And it's easy to think that like, Oh man, no one gets, no one gets that many opportunities or no one gets, but there's a reason you got the opportunities that you've gotten up until this point. Mm -hmm. right like like you it can't all be luck like it can't all be yeah. you know it can't all be imposter syndrome stuff which you know that's a common thing and i, I definitely i was i think i was talking to you about this because we did characters welcome just now and like every month we're supposed to put, bring up these new characters five minutes and like i'll be stuck on the character i'm like oh, this is it everyone's gonna know I was never good. <laughs> they're going to be like, he ran out of characters. That's it. We've seen That's them it. all. He's done. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you because it does feel like for some reason, I know a lot of actors, good news feels like it's uh, once in a lifetime, you got lucky, it all happened. But bad news feels like it's your fault. Like, it's sort of like, oh my God, yeah. Oh, thank God I got this thing. Never like yeah, I've been working hard and I'm talented and everything's aligning and there is luck for sure. But it's like, I worked at this and when it's bad news, it's never like, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't go your way and actually has nothing to do with you. They're just casting a different type of person. Instead, it's always people being like, guess I'm bad at this. I guess, I guess it's my fault. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess that one choice I made in the audition uh, really showed why I'm worthless. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I, I think I learned. I really learned that one time. I was very close to getting this uh, subway commercial. Hmm. They're like, "You're the first choice," is what my agent told me. You're the first choice. It's like we're just waiting on the confirmation. Then a couple hours going by, I was like, "Hey, can you shave?" And I was like, "Yeah, send us a shot clean shaven." Cool, cool, cool. Then it was like silence. Just didn't get it right. I see the commercial. I see the commercial. The role I auditioned for. There's a white woman in the role. I was never going to be a white woman. Yeah. They're like, maybe with that, the beard, he'll become a white woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, like, you know what I mean? Like, like it was just like, okay, they're not going to. Yeah. Nothing I could have done was going to make my, whatever, you know, decision-making behind that. Like they went with an entirely different kind of person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 
I almost prefer that. It'd be so much worse if you saw it and it was just a black guy with a beard. You'd be like, what? Oh, you yeah. know, if it was someone who like different looked just like look just <laughs> yeah. You'd be like the huh? yeah. Starring Charles Freeman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even every Charles Freeman the third. <laughs> oh, Freeman. Always one step ahead. One more generation. <laughs> yes. God damn it. Ten years from now, Carl, ten years in the future, that Carl comes back to today. What advice do you think he would have for you? Uh, he'd probably say, uh, hey, man, ease up on uh, the red meat and alcohol now. <laughs> <First of all. laughs> then, <laughs> then he'd probably say, um, be patient, but work really hard. Because mm -hmm. I know that's what I would tell myself 10 years ago. My, my, uh, what my current self would tell my 10 years ago self. Right. Like work really hard, but also, also like seize every opportunity, right? You know, and and don't, uh, and and I would say continue to be open minded because it's a lot of the a lot of the best things that have come my way I've never expected it. You know, I've never expected that it would happen in the way most much much of my career the way it has unfolded has not been the way I would have envisioned it when I first started. Yeah. Um. Like, I didn't think, like, I thought I was, I thought I was going to just be a theater actor, you know, doing, doing August Wilson and Chekhov and stuff like that. And, and like, I never thought I would be doing sketch comedy and, and, and stand-up comedy for any, like, at all, you know, and, and I'm just doing that some and, and, and I didn't think, I was like, oh man, the people who write, that's a whole other thing. But like, no, I'm, I am a writer. I am a writer yeah. and I literally got an English degree. Like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Why are you shying away from that? Right. Like, like use your skills, dude. Right. <laughs> you know? So now you said you do stand up, you do improv and sketch. Uh, if you had to kind of put those three in like rankings of, of your favorite to do to maybe not necessarily least favorite, but the one you don't do as often or gravitate towards, do you, have you ever thought about which ones you? Oh yeah. I don't do improv. <laughs> like I just <laughs> like I I I just don't do it. I'm not mm. I never got I never reached a point in my improv training where I was that comfortable mm. mm -hmm. doing like like I got I did like the core program but before I ever took an advanced class I got on a mod team, a house sketch team. Mm -hmm. So I remember feeling, oh great, I get words again. You know, yeah, <laughs> a role I can prepare, which is like what I've mainly done in life. Um, now I'm not. I, I, if you made me do improv, I, I'm sure I would be serviceable, right? Yeah, you know, um, just from years of experience and like I, I do, you know, I know how to improvise like within a format or like within confines of something. But like I, you know, we know so many great improvisers who are very, very comfortable just keeping it going and, yeah. and comfortable in the science. That's so I would say that's maybe my least amount of comfort. Um, and then just above that would be stand-up, because I'm still fairly new to that. Mm -hmm. I think I think being an actor and having stage presence does help you a lot in that world. Just, you know, because most stand-ups, their only entry into, into being a, a live entertainer is through that medium, right? And so learning how to stand up and look people in the eye and talk to people and be comfortable with that is is some is part of their journey it was like well i already had that part right 
right? I just need to be better at writing and delivering jokes mm -hmm. and, and all that stuff. Um, and then, like, you know, writing sketch, a lot more comfortable with that. Performing sketch, way more comfortable with that. And then performing characters, I love that the most because I can I can really control what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it is falling apart, like it was last Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> where I was like, yo, I don't got it, bro. I can, I can pull it together at the very end. Right. You can make it work. You have confidence in your performance ability to be like, all right, I can, I can shape this. I can, I can yeah. create this. Yeah. I feel like for people, I tell them like of them. Yeah. Your sketches where you kind of develop your characters and your more, your acting chops, but stand up is where you, I was like, that's where you're going to find your voice or your own personal point of view and really hone what you find funny and what you think is, you know, original and improv, I think, is just for people who it's like, just develop your kind of fast twitch muscles of like, it'll just keep you pretty sharp. But yeah, I hear you. I feel like I'm the I'm the flipped. My improv is my my top. That's the one I gravitate towards the most. And then stand up and then sketch. Well, you're very good at it all. Well, so, thank you. You know, yeah, like, like for the for sketch to be like your least comfortable uh, doing your thing, bro. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we had the benefit of getting to not only perform and write, but I, I don't know if I told you this. I think my first intro to you was uh, our mutual friend Sheila showed me a video of, I believe, I'm pretty sure, I, but the Deaf Garfield Jam video. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Garfield Deaf Comedy yeah. Jam. Yeah, that was one of the first like video sketches I ever did. It's such a ridiculous concept. It's just like that old school deaf comedy jam, which is just more, it was like put on by Russell Simmons, right? And deaf jam mm -hmm. and just, uh, but it's just like, you know, comics and all their jokes are Garfield related. It's all about Garfield. And were you the one, I hope you were, who had the joke of like, tell the cat it's Tuesday? Yes, that was me. That is still one of my favorite jokes. I think it still would work for actual stand-up because it's so true. It's the cat hates Monday. Tell the cat it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what cat do you know that knows what day of the week it is? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. It's that 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 line was actually improvised. Ah, well, brilliant. That, well, thank you. Like that was uh Achilles uh I'm gonna butcher his last name, Stamatalaki, uh UCB stalwart, wrote on Broad City, writes a bunch of cool stuff to this day um wrote that sketch and um that was like a, that was a who's who lineup like you look at the other people in that yeah. thing like nicole byers in that joint uh uh allison rich a bunch of folks um and that was early you know that was when all of us were younger and and uh like there weren't that many black people at ucb wow. i was one of the few performers that i had just started um so i was glad to get that look that shot we shot that at the at ucb east before it opened right um, yeah it has like a gritty early days you had the right look i just remember like watching it and being like this guy just the look the delivery was killing me so i was just so stoked as we started to get to like write together and work together i was like this dude's hilarious oh thank you man. that's a lot of my a lot of my good friends say like that they love that that one yeah <laughs> of all the lineup that was definitely my favorite because that joke hits to this day it's just so <laughs> true and as someone who is definitely not a Garfield fan at all, I find the whole comic strip terrible. I agree whole, not that great. wholeheartedly with the idea of like, yeah, 
why does this fucking cat know what day of the week it is? It doesn't have it doesn't have a job. Yes, it doesn't have a job. Why does it care about Mondays? And you know, I only knew that. And you know, R.I.P. my my cat that my I got through meeting my wife, but it was because I had a cat at that time. Mm. I was like, I was like thinking about my own cat. I was like, well, she doesn't know what day it is. <laughs> she doesn't know what a year is. You know what I mean? Like, like no concept of time. Um, whatever. <laughs> and yeah, and stop feeding this cat lasagna. As I, as I, you know, sing your praises, it's now t- the time of the podcast, Carl, I bring out the uh, famed oh. insult comic, Raz Clifford. He loves to take the guest down a peg before you get, you know, Love too it. famous. So let's go ahead and bring... I've seen his work. Yeah, let's go ahead and bring out his work live. Raz Clifford. <laughs> Here we go, Raz. Oh, well, 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 it's Carl Foreman Jr. Oh, God. A person that when you Google, it says, did you mean to Google George Foreman? And when you hit no, I'm Googling Carl Foreman Jr., Google responds with, why? Carl is a comedian, actor, writer, according to him. I I wouldn't necessarily (laughs) give him those titles. Look, everybody... When you see Carl in a TV show, it should give everyone hope because if they'll put this idiot in something, then anyone can make it. And I mean anyone. (laughs) Now, Carl, I've always wanted to ask you, when did you realize you were good at impressions? Ooh, uh, maybe uh, in college. Okay, okay. And now when do you think other people will think you're good at them? hopefully before i die okay well don't hold your breath or do i don't you know well thank you carl i truly have to thank you because uh i saw you perform not too long ago and it was lovely because i was able to take a quick and much needed nap because i knew when you were on stage there'd be no laughter to disturb my slumber it was (laughs) i needed it so badly so really thank you and oops now all the z's you're catching are from this raz all right, Carl, if you see me around, uh, please walk the other way or perhaps retake the LSATs and get the fuck out of this business. I think I, I, we either want you in the courtroom as a lawyer or as a defendant. I don't know. Let's <laughs> get you out of here. All right. You just got razzed. Bye. Bye. Bye, Raz. Oh, man. Oh. What a guy! Yeah. He's no mercy. No mercy, none. When I saw when I saw him at uh at, at uh, Sheila's birthday party, he really he really oh, he brought the heat. Yeah, he loved it. He loves taking people down and roasting them. What was funny is after that show, there were people. I guess Sheila Sheila told me that were like came up to her and like, "Hey, are you okay? Was that fine?" <laughs> as if as if Sheila didn't request it or ask. Like I was just like, "Hey, Sheila, fuck you. I'm just yeah. gonna ro- like." It's so fascinating yeah. when people are just like, hey, was that too much? It's just like, I am never going to just roast someone without request. Like, it's so funny. Now, we talked about it a little bit, but if you weren't acting or writing or uh, doing anything creative, what uh, career would you want to be doing? Would it still, would you still want to be doing law or being a reporter? No. Yeah. I would not want to be doing either of those things. I think maybe. I think maybe I would have done some something with law, like just to make a bunch of money in my twenties. 
<laughs> but I think I probably would end up in education because mm-hmm. that's I I do I do still teach on the side mm-hmm. like I, I do tutor kids and I think I have a knack for it so I think I would probably be doing something in education yeah because I feel like I would need to feel like I was making some kind of difference yeah if if, if showbiz was never a part of my life I think I'd probably end up in that in that realm right uh just kind of tutoring uh just any kind of subject or whether it be a any ones you- I think it would, I would have probably been in like a school but then again, I'd probably get burnt out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what grade level would you want to? I, I like high school. Okay, personally, yeah, I like I like them. I like them old enough that because I'm I'm kind of blunt. Yeah, you you yeah. can be direct and they can respect you for it. You can give them that. Yeah, I can kind of be like, hey man, look, uh, you're you need to go in a different direction. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I can be like, listen, anybody's gonna pick you up. You gotta right. No, I, I don't know. Like high school kids are fascinating to me too because they have there's there's just something about them that that they are you can kind of keep it real with them and and they'll get it and they won't necessarily take offense. Right. Um. Yeah, I think probably probably education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I know I'm not built for an office. Yeah. Same. I'm not built for an office. Same. I I used to be in offices, and it uh I had to get out of there for for personal sanity it was not yeah like i don't thrive in that environment <laughs> i i'm with you 100 percent. i can do it as like a temporary little moment like a snippet but then if i start to feel like it's this is it i'm like this is bad this is bad yeah that bad habits develop <laughs> yes well if you have forgive me but inevitably when you're a guest on a late night show what's a story you'd want to tell the story i'd want to tell on a late night show hmm just like any story, mm-hmm. did not think about this question enough. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I would say, probably the one where uh, that my first time on TV was actually as a small child in Ghana. What? I, I yeah, I said my ABCs on Ghanaian national television. Wait, wait, wait! How did this happen? I don't know who hooked this up. <laughs> Probably my school that I went to at the time, but I said my ABCs on on TV in Accra, Ghana, Wait. which is where I lived. I, I lived, yeah, I, I, buried, buried, buried the buried, lead, <laughs> buried the lived in Africa uh, for <laughs> for much of my first six years of life. Born in the states, but lived in Africa through kindergarten. Okay, so oh wow. That's amazing. So you were, uh, were you born, where are you born? Uh, was it Maryland or out here? No, I was born, see, yeah, no one in my family is actually from Maryland. So I was, I grew up there from first grade, but my, um, my dad's side of the family is from Charleston, South Carolina. So that's, that's where I was born. Okay. Just so I would be born state. So you, they were like, if he needs to be president, we got that. We exactly. got that covered. Uh, and so you were basically like they flew here, you were born, and then they got you back to, to Ghana. Is that basically? The- yeah. Then they went. Uh, yeah. Then I went back. So was before Ghana, they, my parents were living in Tanzania. So that's where so I was like six weeks old, got back on a plane there. So I'm sure I was the favorite of all the passengers on the, those flights. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, have you have you been back to Ghana? Is it? 
I have not because I don't know if you noticed, I am an actor and I'm not famous, so I don't have a timeline. <laughs> right. That's a little that's a discretionary fund. That's a that's a luxury use to be able to Right. If I if I had followed through with that LSAT, maybe I would have been back. But I plan to go back either in uh twenty-three or twenty-four. Very nice. Yeah. Now do you have this footage? Do you have the access to you as a small child? I don't have I don't have it. I mean put it on your I'm reel. Sure some archive on Betamax, mm-hmm. you know, along with all my childhood. I've never seen videos of myself as a child because they're all on Betamax. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> That'll be for your for your when you're you're hosting SNL days. Your monologue, you'll be like, "Here's my first uh, video of me," and you'll they'll track it down for you, and you'll get it. Yo, if yeah. they could do that, man, I'd be I'd be highly impressed. It would be incredible. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's amazing. Not too many people can say that. Not too many people can say they were on. Ghana national TV. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Singing that full alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> Impressing everybody. Parents were like, he's definitely gonna be a lawyer. Look at him. I think my mom thought I would have been like a, a Don Lemon type. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Some gravitas on or, the news. Or, or and or I think I think she thought I was gonna be like uh the kind of like a Cornell West, you know, like an academic that mm. that appears on ca- cable news, right? A, a respected I mean, pundit, I'm... kind of, you know, educated. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, the that's what my mom. My mom says to this day, she's like, "Are you sure? It's not too late." Straight up, <laughs> straight up. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, you like. Thanks for the vote of confidence. Yeah. Well, you really, you really play with their heartstrings by taking that LSAT and getting oh, there man. and doing well on it. It wasn't even like, oh, it's not looking good. It was like you, I could get in somewhere. I could go to a decent. Level. I got. Yeah, like I, I mean, I did well enough that I got. So the reason I, I, I I'm in education as a side job is that is because of that LSAT mm-hmm. is that I got I scored high enough to teach yeah. it. So I started teaching it for Kaplan. No, you know what? Yeah, you know what? yeah. That's that's where I messed up. Is I gave him the yep. hope, and then I wrote, I wrote I wrote an email because I knew I couldn't. I wasn't going to be able to deliver this verbally. You got to just you know be like I wrote and I wrote and I just wrote it to my dad. I was like, I'm not even going to address my mom. I'm going to be like, I'm going to let him break the news to my mom. You yeah. know, telephone. Just pass this along. So he, kept, he he printed that email out and kept it. Like yeah, that's that's how hard it hit him. Yeah. He never told me it. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, okay, this is but but to to my parents' credit, they were very they're always very like, you know what? This makes you happy. I think my dad especially was like, he's happy. Right. So, you know, talking about that. And I think that's where that comes from, is that like, you know, I did this job this whole time. It was like, well, mm-hmm. he's happy, he's he's surviving, he's good. Yep. Let's, let's keep it going. Yeah. Carl, thank you so much for hopping on and chatting. Uh, do you have any projects, any things you're working on for the for the listener to keep their ears or eyes peeled for? I mean, you can see me at Upright Citizens, Upright Citizens Brigade for the next few months and uh, house teams at um, Vermont Night. Go see Frank and Lamar. Yeah, check out <laughs> yeah, Frank and Lamar. Online. Go check that out on, on the internet. Fantastic. Uh, thanks again for hopping on. This is lovely. Thanks, man. It was a great, great chat okay. with you. And, uh, And thanks again, listeners, for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous.